Good morning. Today is the ninth day of Nissan 5783, corresponding to Friday, March 31st, 2023. As we continue with chapter 39, we're going to now look at something a little bit more esoteric, I think a little less practical, um, if you ask my opinion, but nevertheless something that is part of the Alter Rebbe's conception of the divine world that is important for his overall picture that he's drawing for his students. And he says as follows, he said that, he said that yesterday he had talked about how in the, the tzaddik is um, going to live in the world of Briah, and that some will get to that place consistently, and some will only get there temporarily, meaning on Shabbat or the or Rosh Chodesh or the holidays. And then here he's going to now talk about Atzilut a little bit. And I want to just say that when you get to this point, there is a level of speculation, clearly, that isn't in the other uh, levels because of a sense that people can attain those statuses of being in existence in a Yitzirah level, Briah level, but very few can be at this Atzilu level. Um, and it says just before we start, right? The quality of their divine service explains surpasses even that of intellectual love and fear. This is the level of both Sadiqim who become the chariot, the Merkava, which we've seen in the past. So now he's getting us all the way up to that level. He wants to make sure that we understand how this hierarchy works. So the world of Asilu is beyond intellect. Um, the Chabad level there, this the wisdom, the understanding, the, the knowledge that are enraptured with the infinite light are so profound that they would be overwhelming to the level of Riyasa so when they come down, right, they become contracted. We've seen this concept many a times, right, the idea of the light of one realm contracting so that it can influence the, the, the lower realm. Um, and by contracting, it enables the intellect of the souls that are at the level of Briah, those that have climbed above Yetzirah in those occasional uh, times, and the Malachim to grasp onto some sort of Chabad, Chachma uh, dot level, just not at this highest of levels, um, in a more limited capacity, because without that, they would dissolve. They wouldn't be able to access. And what we've seen previously is that this whole contraction concept is very much about, this whole Simpson concept, contraction concept is all very much about allowing for existences and existences and existences, so here too, the same concept. This allows Briah to be illuminated by this Chabad light, um, but only to a certain degree. And here he brings up a very important statement a foundational statement that we've come across a few times, not as often as we would expect. The phrase in 
Zoharic Aramaic is late machshavta dilhon tfisa shemklal. Their thought cannot grasp there at all. In other words, their thought can't grasp what is above their thought. Um, it can't hold on to it. Not that it can't know it. It can't hold on to it. It can't, and it can't understand it. And so, there are those that abide in the etzilut level. These are the few, the the unique of the generation the tzaddik par excellence, they are the vessels, the Merkava, they are the true chariot of, that we've talked about before, where we talked about how the patriarchs were the chariot to God, they were the ones that would bring God into this world, or allow God to come into this world, that's what the Tzaddik is doing up there. Um, and that is that this person is completely ensconced in the divine, everything about their life is God. Right, so they're not living on the same human plane that we are. Obviously, this becomes very problematic at points with um, what if the tzaddik does something that's inappropriate, sins, how do we understand that? But his, his concept here, or his overarching principled concept is that there are going to be those human beings that are going to be completely attuned to the divine realm and that, quote-unquote, we can't, understand them let alone what that realm is but for most of us we're not going to be there and for some of us who've been working towards it we will never fully be that chariot except through torah and mitzvot that if we do them we will intermittently reach that point such as when shmona during our prayers. So let me take a step back here. I think that's actually a very good point too. Um, he, he, there's mentioned in Lessons in Tanya as well, but our morning prayers are built, one way of reading them is they're built as an ascent from the world of Asiya, which is our existence, to Atzilut. Right? So the different parts correspond to different ascent levels. So everything up to that we start with is Asiyah, and then we move up. And then by the time we get to the Shemonesri, which is the crux prayer, we are at that Atzilu level. And what happens subsequently? We then draw down the light from that higher level to the lower level, so we come back down. So we actually go, quote-unquote, on a trip every time we pray. Um, not something they teach you in grammar school, of course, but an interesting concept, nevertheless, about how to look at prayer as a journey to and from the God levels to connect to God on a regular basis. And he even goes further and says, when we bow, we're really showing ourselves at, the, at this higher level for bowing is the physical manifestation of self-nullification. And it's at those moments when we can be ready to receive the divine light from that level. So as you can see, this is a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more complicated. Um, and I think that it's trying to further flesh out what he was describing yesterday, having to do with the different points along the divine um, pathways, if you will. So, as we conclude this week, it's a couple of things. It's Parshat Tzav, continuing the description of the Karbanot, the, the sacrifices. Um, and it is also what we refer to as Shabbat Agadol, the great Shabbat, the Shabbat right before Pesach, 
commemorating the miracle of being the God had commanded on the tenth of Nisan for the children of Israel to take the carbon the the sheep that was going to be used for the carbon Pesach that they were able to hide, hold on to it for a few days in plain sight. And this is a great miraculous weekend and day, and it's an opportunity for rabbis to get up and give... Um, twice a year there's this custom that the rabbi gives a longer sermon. In fact, I think I've heard that there was a time when this was the only sermons the rabbi gave, but we won't go there. Um, it's a time to really teach about Pesach, and what's interesting, what has been interesting in the past, and I'll tell a quick vignette I saw in a Haggadah once, is that it was should have been an oper- it should be the opportunity to review Hilchot Pesach, the laws of Pesach, some of the fundamental elements that people need for the holiday. But it's become a day of reflection on a greater topic, um, some sort of esoteric, spiritual, psychological topic. And it's a lot of fanfare and very fascinating wherever shul you happen to be going to. You've got an opportunity to avail yourself of this. Um, but I, what I wanted to share was an interesting little vignette. I, forget, I think I know which how to gut it, and I have a lot of them at home. I think it was in the Rijner one. Um, story goes that the rabbi gets up on Shabbat Gadol and he gives a whole long talk on tshuva. And then on Yom Kippur, gets up for the, uh, sorry, on Shabbat Shuvah, which is the Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the one that we reflect on repentance. He gets up and he gives a talk on um, Tevilah Kalim, right, uh, kashering your dishes and all these different laws that seem to be more related to Pesach. And after these two events happen, a couple of his followers at some point said, Rabbi, What's going on here? Why did you talk about Pesach and Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur and Pesach? And he said, because during the period leading up to Pesach, there's a lot of challenge in one's home, a lot of things that are said that shouldn't be said, um, because everybody's very nervous. They want to get Pesach right. Uh, there are a lot of stringencies on Pesach. There are a lot of you know concerns. Right, we're very careful because any little bit of chametz and it's really not. It, it, can be um, problematic. Of course, how careful one really needs to be complicated, you know, and I don't mean careful, but like how um, extensive the work you have to do, that's a little bit more complicated. But nevertheless, he said, and so by the time you get to Pesach, everybody's angry at each other. And it's a t- and so I figured it's really a time for people to do, to remember to do tshuva, to remember to treat each other nicely and to ask for forgiveness and to, to make right. And on Yom Kippur, we're already thinking, Shabbat Shuvah, we're already thinking about these things. We're, I'm not as worried about it. So there I give the, the talk about halacha. Um, I share that because I think that it's important as we get close to Pesach that we always, we, we always should keep in mind the work that we're doing for Pesach is a cleaning to get ready for Pesach. It is not, I say this all the time and I'm getting in trouble, it's not a spring cleaning first and foremost. But second of all, it's not a, it, it, it is a thorough job. But it's one that doesn't have to be fraught with a lot of stress if done, if if planned out and done well and done effectively and done according to halacha. It doesn't have to have all that stress. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it's important that we remember that, especially now, we're last few days in, it gets very stressful. 
we want to come into Pesach with a sense of freedom. Yes, it's supposed to work. I remember seeing this somewhere else. Like you can't just walk into it and expect it to be feel that sense of going from, you know, of that freedom. But one needs to put their strength into how do I prepare myself for that moment, not how do I go create, you know, not getting so overwhelmed by all the work that by the time you walk in, you're just so tired that you crash. And so my wish to everybody, sorry for that rant, but it, it's always important to keep that in mind, and Shabbat HaGadol's importance of, um, of maintaining a, a calmness in the midst of the cleaning. My, my, mess, my, my wish to everybody is that the, that this, uh, that the work that you're doing towards Pesach, we're going to have a few more before Pesach, but the work that you're doing towards Pesach is work that actually gives you meaning. It's not just the harriedness of, oh my God, I have to clean, but it's really the meaningness of I'm doing something as a means to express that I'm getting ready for my freedom once again to celebrate this holiday, this grand holiday of um, redemption, of our connection to God. It ties very much into all that we do in Tanya, right? Everything being connected to or wanting us to connect back to the divine. So may we have a Shabbat of rest that gives us the strength to uh, carry forth in the next few days as we work towards getting ready towards Pesach.